Sorry, before we Are get you started. Yawning? No, no, yes, no. So I <laughs> <laughs> Yes, no, yes. I just have been trying not to yaw, but I just need to let one of yawn out. You got one good one just waiting to happen. Welcome to Love in Brief, a brief ABDL podcast focused on issues of love. Mm-hmm. Love for yourself, yep. love for others, yeah. love for your community, love, uh, love for your puppies. Yeah. Um, or kitties. Or kitties. Or ferrets. I guess. Or domesticated dolphins. I'm not picky. I'm pup puppies. You know what? If you have domesticated <laughs> dolphins, I have some questions. And a lot of love for you. Sure. Yeah. And also some questions like <laughs> how big is your house? Where did you get all the water? Who feeds these dolphins? Are you a mermaid? Are you a mermaid? So many questions. Well, so few answers. I know it sounds like this episode is we're setting up for a podcast about dolphins and ABDL, but we're not. But actually, I really should have paused on love for your community. Yeah. Because this is a little bit about community today. A little bit. A lot of it. It's a lot of it. So can I share the topic? Because I'm really excited to talk about this. Yes, please. Okay. So if y'all listened to the last episode, 83, um, it was an episode focused on people who were in their early days of their ABDL community journey and maybe made some mistakes or choices that they wish they had made. Fine. Um, as soon as we put that one out, we got a request from a listener. And by the way, we love hearing from you. So please continue to send these. We'll tell you how at the end of this podcast. But we got a request from a listener who said, love that you're covering people who are, you know, right now in their early days. But what about the early days? What about, what about somebody who was around before social media and before email and before you could just hop online and find, you know, 2,000 people who share your interests? Tell us about the early days of ABDL. I am so excited about this Me as too. someone who is woefully under, like, I'm just terrible at social media in general, as everybody knows by this point. Um, <laughs> anybody and who's ever written you a message anybody knows Anybody who's this. ever sent me any kind of anything knows how yeah. bad I am. And I'm so curious about the way our little community operated before we had to do all this. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things that we have to acknowledge on this podcast is that uh, we are standing on the shoulders of giants, that there are many, many people who came long before this podcast and long before, you know, we've talked before about the big little podcast is really setting a standard for ABDL podcasting and blazing new trails. Even before the big little podcast came along, even before the internet came along, there were a lot of people who were out there wondering, is there anybody else like me? And we are lucky enough today to get to learn from one of those people. Yes. So and up to up to now, the the earliest I know is uh, with regards to your experience. Say more. Uh, you told me about the early days of your diaper exploration, oh, and for that's sure. about as far as I've gotten. So I mean, picture me, Ry, at age what was I thirty? No, 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 twenty five. Anyway, wondering and getting online for the first time, saying. Am I the only one? Am I literally the only one in the universe who has ever had interest in ABDL stuff? And three quarters of me believed maybe. But then you went online. But it was so easy. Point, click, point, click, point, click. And I'm not saying I had an easy road, but I had a much easier road because all of a sudden I found lots of folks. Some folks were doing things that I did not want to do. And other folks are doing things that sounded amazing to me. But all I had to do was get online and look. 
Yeah. And from my experience, I got way too much information when I first typed it in. <laughs> yeah, Things that, that, that I never wanted to know. Well, and we've even talked about, because of our 10-year age difference, we've talked about how I had to sift through some pretty difficult spaces mm-hmm. where you could just uh, friend the right person and then see their friend requests and friend that person. And so, so you had algorithms helping you Yeah. and there were way, and there were events and big things to go to. And I didn't have that. Well, forget my experience. I want to back up before that. And it's not about like yes, I had please. to walk to school, you know, 15 miles in the snow, both ways. Like it's not about who had it harder. I don't, I don't think that's the point. The point is in order to understand where we are, we have to understand where we came from. And I think a lot of people would be very curious about this because it doesn't get celebrated or talked about very much. I completely agree. So we are really Let's lucky. Do this. Have we have we done enough? Let's get to our guests. Did we set it up enough? More than enough, I'd say. <laughs> Let's get to our guests. So we are so pleased to welcome um, our new friend Kent to the podcast. And I wonder, Kent, if you could tell us a little bit about your love. Um, my love um, for uh, porpoises, uh, dolphins, uh, <laughs> other domesticated um, creatures. Other domesticated creatures. <laughs> I was just feeding them. Uh, they're fine. <laughs> I mean, was, everybody's fine. I was uh, my love. What that sound was. Yeah, that makes sense. Thinking all my lunch. My love is really for the community because it has grown so much from what I remember, and it's just such a pleasure to see everything that's happening and all the incredible people that have that have uh, offered so much over the years and have given so much. And it's just terrific to be at my age and to watch all of that. So uh, can I ask, you say at my age, can I ask your age? Well, I will be 78 this month. Oh, happy birthday. (gasps) Almost on Halloween. And uh, there were several of us um, who were in this community who celebrated together on Halloween. And unfortunately, my best friend, who was born on Halloween, died, unfortunately. Oh, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I am excited, too. Wow. Anyway, um, and he was in 9-11 and survived that. Oh, wow. Like in (laughs) in New York at the time. Yeah, he was in the tower. Oh, I had to my goodness. escape and through smoke and all that sort of oh. thing. So oh. really, really sad. Wow. But uh, yeah. I miss him every day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, I'm 78. And uh, and that's my love, the community. So this Everyone. is this, this is such a beautiful, I think, uh, not only introduction, but such a beautiful summation of a lifetime of experience that after all this, and even after having a really tremendous hardship with losing your friend, that you still have this deep and abiding love for the community. Can I ask, like, oh yeah, why, what is it about the community that has inspired and, and even earned this love? Well, like what you said before, I've always felt I was possibly the only one doing this, you know, growing up. And, and I started at really sincerely, I started at age five and collected a great deal of equipment and made made plastic pants. I made diapers. I I used all sorts of material from my mother, blah, 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 and had everything all over the house in different places. And when I was in my 20s and decided there must be someone else doing this. There must be, you know, you suspect there are other people, 
But then you think, well, maybe I'm really, really, really a little odd here. <laughs> and I could be the only one doing it. Yeah. Uh, so um, after all that period, and I, I'm sure the two of you have been in that situation where you thought maybe nobody else has this feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have, but I think we all have it at some point. And uh, I knew I had to find other people. I knew there had to be a community somewhere. Mm. I love I love the confidence that there has got to be people out there. But then how how did you find them without ready access to everybody without the Internet? Exactly. We had nothing. We had we had mail (laughs) with a stamp and we had uh, telephones and that was about it. And uh, well, I uh, I was I went through college, the Navy finally moved to New York to become, I hoped, an actor. And I looked everywhere. I'll make this brief. I looked everywhere for something about diapers, about adult babies, about whatever. Um, I went through every library I could find. I, New York was filled, when I got to New York, New York was filled with adult bookstores up and down 42nd Street and 8th Avenue. And I spent hours, I mean, literally, I wasted a lot of time uh, looking for, looking through every magazine I could find. And back then they had piles of them and you could go through all of them without really spending any money. Oh, that's, a, <laughs> that's had, a life hack right there. I had none. So I, I went through... <laughs> And then there was screw a screw newspaper, which was liberating in a way. And then a few others, and a few of these newspapers started putting adult ads in for for exotic interests and fetishes and uh, unusual things. And I kept reading them, thinking, finally, I'm going to see something about diapers or adult babies. Blah 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 blah. Um, and I kept reading and kept reading and nothing, zero, nothing. Nothing? Um, wow. Nothing, not at all. That's so I surprise. said, you know, somebody's somebody's got to start the ball rolling here. I'm getting, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I was 26 and turning 27. And I said, I really have to do something. So I went and got a post office box to make it a little safer and, um, I wrote my first ad and I thought it was really genuine and wholesome and sent it off to an underground newspaper called the LA Free Press in Los Los Angeles, which I thought was safe because it was so far away from me. (laughs) And I got a letter right back from a woman who said, how dare you want to have sex with babies? Yeah. Oh, and I. I'm serious. That's exactly what she said. That was her interpretation and of what you'd asked for, which was I, it was my first that. letter in my new box, and I just about fell over in the post office, thinking, "I can't believe somebody would think that I would even entertain such an idea." So I wrote her a very little letter. I wrote her a long letter and said, "This is exactly what I do." And she wrote back a letter of apology and printed my ad. Oh, wow. And oh, maybe that's wonderful. two weeks later, I got four letters, which was possibly one of the most exciting moments of my life to open that little box, open the little door and see four letters and taken them. I took them out and each one was similar. 
saying, I thought I was the only one. That's sort of how they all started. I never thought I would ever see an ad for this ever. And thank you for putting it in. And that sort of started the ball rolling. And I kept my ad going and put an ad in The Advocate, which was a, a gay newspaper and yeah. kept it in the Los Angeles Free Press. And then I put it in Fetish Times, which ran for many, many years. And I even had my phone number for years. I had my phone number out there. Wow. Like your like your landline, like your home phone. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have any cell phones then. <laughs> well, I'm thinking like you didn't have an alternate phone number that you, you oh, no. had two lines installed. No, or, no it's just, yeah. just my little phone number yeah. with my hoping my roommates didn't answer. Would people call <laughs> you? Oh, yeah. Lots of them. And they were, I would say, 95% really wonderful phone calls. Maybe once or twice somebody would call at four in the morning and wake me up or, you know, with something ridiculous. What are you wearing or something? One of those things. Uh, And um, it was good. It was really positive. And after a while, not only did we start a group going and start gathering and meeting each other and spending long hours on the telephone and writing letters and sending little pictures because that's all we had, you know, little pictures from a camera. Remember that? Um, And we, I I have seen these. I remember having to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I know I've got two of them. Um, And we started gathering and there was quite a community on the West coast and then people in New York and people would come to New York and visit me and stay with me. And, 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 and by, I would say, 73, 74, we had quite a group that all knew each other and we would introduce each other to each other. So, and one of my, and, and most of the people were men, but I did have one very, very close woman friend who lived in Washington, D.C., and she was just a wonderful, wonderful young woman. And what I, we, we sort of touched on this the other day, but one of the things that people always say, said back then, particularly, where, where was where are the women? Where are they? How can we reach them? Yeah. And many people felt that women did not see this the same way that men do. And if we expected them to enter the scene, it would be only for as caregivers or mommies. And I said, I don't think that's true. And I, I, I knew it wasn't because my friend in Washington she and I talked for hours and we had exactly the same fantasies yes. about what we wanted done and what was of interest to us, what turned us on. Uh, we were so much alike. So I knew that gender wasn't really important. And I, mean, the, I, I apologize for interrupting, but that revelation is so important. And even when I entered the community, which would have been... I mean, I don't know, almost 20 years ago, that still wasn't a given because there wasn't as much obvious representation. But you figured it out in the mid-70s, and you were challenging this belief in the mid-70s. Well, I was. And uh, and then just to add a little bit of history – lots of people started little businesses in the mid seventies. And like the first one that I can find. And also let me say this, even though I couldn't find anything about this particular subject, uh, our, our interest, uh, 
I, I have since then, I found an article from a magazine in Canada called Justice Weekly that was published in 1968, where several people had s- submitted letters about their love for divers. Oh, wow. So that was Canada. And I've asked several Canadians that are friends if they remember any of this, but most of them are too young. So that, was, they don't was remember this any a, of this. So I've found, um, <laughs> I did something similar. I started to research all publications, magazines, whatever, academic publications. I didn't have, being in the Midwest, I don't think I quite had the access to some of the alternative publications that you may have, mm-hmm. but I was also a, a bit later in the journey. But I, was this an academic publication that talked about, um, and, I, and I'll use this word in, in parenthesis or in quotation marks, but the disorder of no ABDL, or was this something no, that was it actually... Was, it was actually, some of these letters would be considered um, inappropriate today. Okay. Because to, for me, they dealt way too much with children. Oh, I see. And I was just reading one this afternoon. I said, my gosh, this wouldn't fly today. This is... Uh, this is really something that people shouldn't be talking about, particularly in publications. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've never actually seen the magazine at all. I've only seen these these letters that someone tore out and sent to me. I see. Mm. So I've, I, 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 I'm something, I, I think it was something like Penthouse Forum, if you knew yes. that little magazine yes. mm-hmm. many moons ago, yes. um, which was so important to all of us. And then we we had somebody named Linda Brownlee in 1973 who was publishing Nursery Dreams, who actually, that's a, another story which I won't go into. And then we had a woman named Florence in um, California who started Amber Enterprises. And uh, then we had the House of Milan in 1972, even before 73, which was a uh, you know, commercial adventurer who published Rubber Life, which was uh, heavily geared toward ABDL and uh, quite important. And uh, then, of course, uh, a person in Seattle named Kathy Slivak published it, had uh, Infante Press in the 73, 74, right in there, uh, published Playpen and Tales of the Clip. And all these just sort of started around the mid-70s and, and a very, very active and uh, so the 70s were pretty busy with a lot of growth, even oh. though not many people remember that because you're all too young. I wonder what the <laughs> catalyst was for all of these biz- new business owners to just come it's, out of the woodwork. It, I know. It's so interesting. And, and uh, I think, I, I don't know if anyone's talked about this before, but Fetish Times about 1974 uh, had a a survey of all their readers saying what is your what is your favorite fetish your favorite interest and they thought spanking would win would be number one and it sort of was in a way because B B D won number one and there were about twenty things that were listed in fetish times and number two was what they called infantilism which is what we called it which is sort of an unfortunate misnomer right. But everybody called it that. Uh, and there were even articles written about the infantilists out there, <laughs> as though we were all 
doing something strange. And we, and we were, but we loved it. Um, well, and, and I'll call out that uh, Bitter Gray has done some really interesting work on sort of the etymology, the basically the word origins of our kink or kinks. And um, yeah, infantilism or infantilism was, as you said, an unfortunate name um, that stuck for quite a while and was even used in published journals about this fetish. And so if anybody is interested, I'm just calling out to our readers, uh, look up Bitter Gray's excellent scholarship on this topic. And, Absolutely. And can I ask what is what is BBD? Oh, oh bondage slash discipline. Okay. Uh, by, which is sort of, uh, well, I guess it's, well, it's spanking. It sort of works its way in there, I guess. Yeah, discipline. <laughs> um, it's in there. Uh, sort of. Uh, that, that sort of won the, the survey, won the lottery there. And then, uh, and all of this just continued to grow, and it was just such a wonderful thing to watch. And we just wondered where it was all going to go, and look at us now. And by 19, I just sort of skipped to 1980. It's amazing. Uh, Playboy on its cover had uh, two young women, obviously, uh, and Steve Martin in the middle, all in diapers, 1980s uh, New Year's publication. I can, I'm sorry. I can barely hear you over the sound of what? all of our listeners Googling this. <laughs> yeah, Playboy. And then Hustler, which is something that I don't think that's published anymore, is it? Hustler? I don't know. Uh, Hustler uh, is still a very active brand. In fact, there are, still, there are still Hustler stores oh, everywhere. Yeah. And, and that same month for Hustler, they had a lovely young woman, of course, uh, reclining with a big pink pacifier in her mouth. And uh, her hair sort of like a little girl. She was adorable. And uh, I still have those copies. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, we're starting a museum tomorrow. I'm in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just a lot of stuff happened in 1980 at DPF. And, and uh, Tom Speaker published his master's thesis on, on uh, I don't know what he, what he called it, big babies or what he called it, infantile. I don't know what he called it. I can't remember. Uh, but a lot of was a lot of things happened well before 1980. So I had it was to, a oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, no. It was a fun time. I was going to say you, I'm freaking out over here because what you just described your beginnings was. It sounds like you also it was the beginnings of a of the community of a community. Right. It was like, no one was around. And then people started saying, I thought I was the only one. And they were calling you and you guys were calling each other and meeting up. And that is the community today. I, I cannot believe right. you were like at the, at the beginnings. Of I, that. That's I, amazing. I, you I'm like started it. I'm sitting here thinking like that PO box, that phone number, that ad that you placed, that was everybody's beacon was the, the yeah. first prototype for our community. And so much is the same. So much is exactly the same now. The feelings about like, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Um, People I confusing no it girls. for things which are much, much uh, Yeah. I, I thought you were predatory. into babies. Yeah. Right. Some people mm-hmm. actually being into babies and giving everybody a bad name. Right. Um, it's funny. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Many of us kind of think that it was easier back then because it it was harder to. I listened to your last p- 
podcast. I think it was the last one about how to keep friends hmm. that you meet at yeah. functions and how to keep them. And it, it was sometimes easier because we had to pick up the phone and actually talk to people and we had to visit like in person and we had to write letters and take pictures of each other and send them. And it, it, it was so much harder than just going into a computer and immediately connecting with someone. I, so we had to work for it. You had to work for it. And, and you're calling that easier. Well, in a way, it, it made us closer because we were a smaller group and we felt like we had to support each other. And if somebody was going through a bad divorce or whatever, you know, you, you or was ill, you had to, you know, you, you, you were really concerned about that person. And another thing, we all used our real names, more, more or less. Oh. Most of us used either a variation of their real name or their real name. So and, it was more simplified. You didn't have... I mean, that sounds, and I could be incredibly wrong because I can also see how difficult it would be to have to wait for a letter from your friend, but it sounds idyllic not to have to to just have to like sift through hundreds of emails just to find one (laughs) from your friend that you were looking for. Like, interestingly, I'll say, great. I want to validate that and say from somebody who's right in the middle, more or less, um, Man, the idea that you would have hundreds of messages from other people like you also sounds idyllic and overwhelm, overwhelming and overwhelming because I, I live in sort of both spaces. Right. But and you email back quickly. That's the, that's well, the difference. Of, you don't have sort of <laughs> you don't have an outstanding email inbox. Sort of. But I will say, like, the fact that you could connect with real first names, write real letters, talk about things as they are instead of what I think is a, is a necessity now perhaps, which is the function of anonymity because the worst they could trace you with would be, and God knows why they'd want to, but like if, if they, somebody had bad intentions of outing you, they had your, your first name, maybe your last name, they had your home address, but they'd have to like go find a phone book or a birth certificate or whatever. Whereas now (laughs) I, I, I can Google you in, not you personally, but I can Google somebody and, and find them in less than five minutes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand the need for anonymity today. I totally understand that. Um, and, but when I see lots of people who put little uh, posts in saying, who were you at the last month or something like that? And I'm, and I say, oh, it's it's too bad you have to really ask that. But I understand why. But we yeah. sort of at the when we had gatherings and we had quite a few little gatherings, they were not gigantic, but little small little gatherings. We sort of all know who exactly we were. And it sounds like you guys, I mean, right now it's sort of an embarrassment of riches but not in a great way all the time. I think if someone aggravates you, then you can just be done with them forever. But it sounds like you guys had to bond in a way that weathered conflict, if there was any, because you were a close-knit community, because there wasn't just, oh, I'll throw you away, and there's another person I can choose. I think you're absolutely right. One of the sad, let me just say this, one of the sad things about that period was that most, many of us were in our 20s, um, or maybe even 30s, but mainly 20s. We were all fairly young. And yet there were people who had 
no opportunity to make contact with this community who are older, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. And they wanted to join us often. And I don't think we treated them very well. I hate to say that oh. as an older person now, but I, I, I wish I could go back and make them feel more comfortable, the older people, because I think we were sort of what younger people now are being accused of. I think we were sort of elitists and, and thinking this should be just for the 20 year olds, which is ridiculous. Um, wow. <laughs> so, so now I'm in the other camp. <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much I admire that vulnerability. Yeah. I uh, wish we had just been nicer to them. I think we felt like if they were older, they couldn't feel the same way we did, which is absolutely ridiculous because here I am so old and I feel like I did when I was 20. So yes. I know that's not true. That's I, 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 wow. Yeah. So what I admire about this is not just the vulnerability of admitting that, but the fact that it gives me pause and I look at what were my beliefs in my twenties? Was I rejecting people who were older somehow thinking, you know, they're missing it or, or they can't possibly feel the way I do. And now I'm 42. And <laughs> how do I look back at people in their twenties and how do I look forward to people in their sixties? And am I still holding those prejudices, mm-hmm. even though I feel more or less like I did when I was 22, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm just baffled. And of course, like it's a head slap moment. Of course that tracks. Like it's such a a universal condition that we all want to have a very special peer group. And that whenever someone feels like they're maybe your parents' age, they, they, they can't come, they can't sit with us. And that's not true, but I completely understand that desire. Exactly. I think we could only, we could see these people as daddies or caregivers, but I but the thought of that person in putting a diaper on was was uh, hard for us to accept. Which now looking back was so wrong, <laughs> so wrong. But anyway, that's sort of the way it is. And I don't even know if the other people who I don't even know anybody anymore who was there then. Um, in the in the mid part of the seventies, I, I I I may I may know a couple of people, but um, I don't know if they would agree with me at all at all. Well, a couple of things strike me about this, though. One is, so it's the mid seventies, which for some of our listeners may as well be five hundred years ago, right? It just it's, it, it <laughs> sounds like ancient history. They weren't born yet. But they weren't born yet. Um, <laughs> but so, but it's the mid seventies, and there are people who are in some of the very burgeoning communities minds too old to play along in the mid seventies, which is just a great reminder that this was not invented when Procter and Gamble put out the first disposable diaper. This has been around for as long as there have been new humans. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's one thing. The, The other thing that strikes me is that this tendency to look at others in the community and segment them by age and say, okay, you're a daddy. You're, uh, you could be my uncle or grandpa or caregiver or whatever it happens to be your grandma, that this is an application of a prejudice that may be entirely, you know, um, well-intentioned, but it, <laughs> as somebody who is 42 and 
loves to put on dips. Like, it doesn't make sense for me to look at somebody who's 75 and say, yeah, but you can't. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. Like, at any stage, at any point of life, this is, can be a magnificent experience, and, be, and it belongs to you. I don't care how old you are. It belongs to you. Absolutely. And, and the people who joined us in the 70s who were already older sort of missed out on so much because we weren't around when they were 20. And, and, and we should have taken that into consideration, I think, a little more. Hmm. And I, looking back, I just kind of feel sorry for all those men, many of them who were absolutely Wonderful. So many, many. I mean, I was taken to dinner and treated royally by so many very wealthy older men back then, uh, who probably wanted me to let them do what I was doing, mm. and yet I just didn't see that. Yeah. But now I do, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> and they were kind of living through me. I think, even though not to put kind of like a little bit of a happy spin on it, but maybe they were also glad to know that there were others out there just like you were, even though they'd waited longer. I hope so. I mean, I can imagine these men being in their 20s in the 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. There was really nothing. There was no, and there was no room for that. in Mm -hmm. such a conservative time sexually and uh, in so many ways. Um, I wanted to ask you, what, how did you go about finding your first intimate relationship in in this world how did you go about from a big friend group to finding a partner uh a partner in life uh Um, rather you mean even a partner just someone who you played diapers with um the first person ever i met he was the first person that i came face-to-face with, except for a couple of Marines when I was in the Navy. Uh, I I got a letter from this young man who said he was coming to New York and he would, I could meet him. And I hadn't met anyone in my whole life ever. And I, I said, where are you staying when you come to New York? And he said, he's staying on 76th Street. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I live on 77th Street. And he was in New York. And I, he was in New York. They had flown him to New York from San Francisco to audition as Jesus and Jesus Christ Superstar, which was opening on Broadway. Wow. I went over and he opened the door and there he was standing in just a diaper and plastic pants. Well, we all wore plastic pants there because all the diapers were cloth. We right, didn't have right, any right. There, there were no disposables, yeah. And I just about fell on the floor because I had never seen anybody else except myself in a mirror. And this was my first time ever. What was that like seeing, I mean, again, we take for granted, those of us who have had the benefit of having the internet, we've seen a thousand images of another person wearing a diaper. This was your first time seeing somebody who wasn't you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess I had gotten a few pictures in the mail of people, but I hadn't met somebody face to face. Anyway, he was very nonchalant about the whole thing. And anyway, I opened the door and there he was. And he was staying with somebody who was in a Broadway show. So she was coming back and he had to leave. And so he said, oh, let's go walking in the park. I said, oh, okay, taking a walk. Okay, that sounds 
innocent and would go for a walk. So he says, oh, okay, here, you hold all my clothes. And he gives me all of his clothes. And, and I'm, I'm such an innocent person and, and I'm so embarrassed by everything. And I'm holding his clothes. And he goes walking through the park and just in diapers, nothing else. And this is like 1971 or 72 or something. And I was way back behind him, hoping nobody would know that I was with him. Well, yeah. <laughs> and all these people were kind of it. just looking and ignoring him. Nobody was even looking at him. Nobody was, nobody cared. And that's the wonderful New York. Yeah, condition. that's New York for you, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Way back home, and I changed his diaper. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember doing that, but maybe I did. And I left. That was it. It was all kind of. But but we we became extremely good friends, and uh, and 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 had all kinds of different experiences over the years. But we we were very very good friends, uh, and uh, he would always be very very friendly until his girlfriend was coming over, and, and it was always a new girlfriend, and then I had to leave. Uh, but, but we were very close. But uh, as, as far as 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 far as a permanent romantic uh, uh, partner goes in, in life, I dated uh, lots of women and was with many, many women and and also men. The reason I was so all over the place is because I was very active in the trans community then when we didn't have a big group. It's not like now. We were, there weren't that many of us. Yeah. And I was very active in that community. And at one point, I was actually in transition, but then stopped. But anyway. Mm-hmm. In, so, in New York at the time? At the time. I was a patient of Dr. Benjamin, who, who oh my goodness. was rarely in the office, but he was there. You sometimes. witnessed so much. So much. And I used oh. to give, they had me give talks to nurse nursing groups about the whole thing. But I was involved in a lot of stuff. Plus, I was trying to get my career going, and I was also working, teaching, and this and that. So life was very, very busy. And uh, and so I said, the first person who really, 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 really accepts my lifelong love, which is ABDL, the first person who really gives me support, I will think, could be my future. And the women that I was dating, in fact, one was we were dating for two years every, we were together every week. She wanted no part of it. And, and our relationship was ending anyway. And then a man wrote me and he was a professor at a college and came over and brought me dinner when I was sick and thought the diapers were terrific. And I've now been with him now for 48 years. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Gosh. I wanted that to be the end so bad. Me too. But it's, it's oh. funny. I was, you know, it's just happened that I wanted that support because this thing for me, as well as you, it's so important in my life. I wanted it to be the end of the story so badly because when you said he brought you soup when you were sick. I was going to say, that's what RY did for me um, when I was sick, when we were first <laughs> getting together. And I, and then I didn't want to say it in case it didn't end up being a happily ever after, but it did. I, I mean, food is so important. It is. Soup is, too. Particularly when you're sick. <laughs> yeah. Can't, my, my mind is blown. Like, as you're describing being in New York in the 70s, engaging with the trans community, 
knowing Dr. Benjamin, like, holy shit. Like you were Love your I, language. I, forgive me. I'm around babies. I, for, I apologize. <laughs> uh, just unbelievable that not only were you witness to this, but you were, you were a progenitor of the community at a time when so many important things were happening and right in the center of it all. I was. It was a. It was a. You know, for women's liberation, for gay yes. liberation, for the, the the black power movement. It was a really exciting time. Yeah. And when I wasn't doing all that, I would walk around the East Village pretending I was a hippie because I always wanted to be one. <laughs> and because I was also in the Navy and had to have short hair, nobody accept, accepted me for a minute as a hippie. They thought, you know, they knew I was a phony. Oh, <laughs> you needed a long You're wig. Fake hippie. Wait, so my, but you're walking around the village in 1970. Like, when when were you there at the earliest? I was there in 68. Oh, my God. 68. Stonewall was 68, right? 69? Stonewall was 68. Uh, there were riots in Harlem in 68. Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the riots were after the assassination of Dr. King in, in 68, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. I just watched that on television. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah somehow I... I, I I don't know. I was just involved with so many things. Oh, my gosh. Life was, life was fun. Were you, were you aware at the time? I mean, this is one of those things I always wonder about, right? Because I always wonder, like, am, am I in the middle of something amazing and can I not see it? Were you aware that you were in the middle of this sexual revolution that you, even in the uh, nascent ABDL oh, world, yes. were you aware that it was happening? Mm-hmm. Say more I was, that. because if you've lived through the 50s and the early part of the 60s, which were so buttoned down and conservative, you realize things were really changing quickly yeah. uh, in the 70s and yeah. really changing. Whenever you moved out of the 70s and it became easier to get in contact with people, I wondered if you would talk to us a little bit more about that and then getting on the Internet and how that all happened. To me, getting on the internet for the first time was mind-blowing. It really was. Because as you just said, you type one thing in and you see all this stuff and you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is here. And you look at, you know, you look over your shoulder to see if people are watching because <laughs> you're just a bit embarrassed to suddenly have it right in your lap. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I wonder if it's maybe too much too soon for some Young people? I don't know. I guess some people think it's just terrific. I think I probably would. I, I uh, think it can be. I know that even if you just go on on TikTok, just on TikTok and you type in um, ABDL, that there are a lot of um, users that say, please be 18 plus, which you can't regulate because it's right. just not that. It's just a swiping site. And there are a lot of people who are not old enough. Yeah. To be putting right. content out in the world because they're not quite aware of what it's going to look right. like when they're trying yeah. to get jobs and stuff, which makes me sound like my mom. But well, it's, I mean, we, we evidenced that on the last episode, right? Yep. That there, with this immediate access to people and options and things, and you're 20 or 19, like, with all respect to our 19, 20 year old listeners, like, my brain wasn't done forming yet. I, I I still didn't have the kind of impulse control I have now. I couldn't look into the future and consider the implications. Yeah. But now you can 
get somebody to send you crypto and buy a ticket in five seconds to fly to them and have the worst weekend of your life. Yeah. And that yeah. didn't used to be a thing so much. Now, you Absolutely. could you could meet somebody maybe a few streets over or across mm-hmm. town, but the odds of finding them in that impulse moment are, were a bit lower, I imagine. Well, and I think it kind of, not that it makes the experience less valuable, but I do think that the fact that I can type in ABDL and then scroll videos for an hour and a half and never run out of them, it kind of, it normalizes it in a way that's not like positive. Oh, really? It just kind of goes, I just go, all right. Oh, you get, you, you get sort of saturated. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel the way it feels whenever, or it felt whenever I was first getting started and I finally got to wear a diaper and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like it was just so good. But, um, now I just like scroll, 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 scroll. And then just like everything else, it kind of just gets like, you just kind of feel numb about it. Oh, that's wow. interesting. Yeah. Can you imagine, I mean, putting yourself back in your 1985 shoes, which I'm certain were sweet for 19, I bet they were some pretty awesome kicks in 1985. What kind of shoes did people wear in 1985? Uh, Reebok pumps, maybe? Mm. <laughs> Am I close? I don't know. Uh, no, no. Uh, if, if you were me, kangaroos, but those were just kid shoes that had little pockets in them you could put a quarter in. Uh, Seriously? Yeah. So penny loafers, but for quarters? Uh, yeah, I kind of like that, but not so classy. Uh-huh. Anyhow, those were the shoes. But if you could put yourself back in 1985 shoes. No, I really want to thought- know what kind of shoes people were wearing. <laughs> kids, lots of kids. Okay. Um, imagine then having an hour and a half worth of scrolling of ABDL content. To the point where you get bored with it. I mean, how do you even place that in your memory of what it was like when you were 30? Exactly. Wow. It's wild. It's, it is wild. Well, I was, I was uh, so amazed by the story of the young man in your last, po- in your last podcast. Listening to his story, it's just, I just felt so bad for all of those experiences. And, uh, for when he sort of found himself in danger and in these, well, in yeah, these scary so many, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I only had that experience once when I was with a man who was actually the principal of a, of a high school and was more or less keeping me hostage in a way. Oh. And, uh, I, I won't say I escaped, but I sort of did when he wasn't there and got myself back to New York he was in Pittsburgh and he immediately called my parents, my real parents oh, no. who were so overly conservative and naive to anything like this and said, you're not his real parent. I am. I'm Whoa. his father and I'm taking him away from you. My father said, who is this? Is My father had no idea what was going oh, on no. and he thought it was a crank call and hung up and my mother just happened to mention it that this crazy call came in and I just froze and said oh my goodness I'm so upset that this happened and uh wow what a boundaryless that human was being my was. Bad, very, most of uh, almost all my experiences have been so positive yeah. and so good well this is one of the things that strikes me and by the way I'm really glad you get out of that dangerous situation yeah. it sounds like Well, when you're in your 20s, sometimes you do impulsive things because it sounds like fun. Yeah. (laughs) But it turns out not to be fun. Not so fun. Wow. (laughs) But I I think 
now I'm curious, like when you, when you look back at all of these situations and, and when you and I first spoke on the phone before this interview, um, you have an overwhelming bent toward gratitude, optimism, joy, celebration of all of these years of your life, of the community. Oh, it's been so important, such a blessing. I, I hate to use that word blessing because it's so overly used, but it's been a blessing for me to have this in my life. And I used to think when I was even a, a kid, I used to think I'm so I feel so sorry for people who don't have something extra in their lives because this is so important to me. And but, it has been. And in and, and many ways, you created your own joy. I think a lot of people who don't have positive experiences, sometimes that's a little bit of a part of it, but it sounds like you were like, well, here I am out in the world and how, how am I going to find all this wonderful potential? And you just went out there and you did it. I did. Sometimes, sometimes I'm, I'm pretty aggressive uh, when I know that something is right, when I feel that it's right in my heart. Yeah. Sometimes you have and to. And this was always right. It was never, I was never, I've never felt shame. And I, I feel bad for the people who do. And I know it's a legitimate feeling, but I never felt it. And I never purged. I was the recipient of lots of purgers. That is a, that and, is and I used to say, if you're going to throw everything away because your mother's coming or your girlfriend's coming over, please give it to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a poor actor and I need all the diapers I can get. The opportunity to get to hear from you personally on, on what that was like is just such a treasure. I think this is part one, um, not the end. I also think that my hope is that our listeners um, all over the world who are wondering, like, where do I fit in the community? Where do I fit in the story of ABDL, whatever that is to you? And I think the answer is you fit in the space you create. So you don't have to start uh, writing letters to people across the country. You don't have to buy a P.O. box. Like things might be very different now. But I think, Kent, your story reminds me that like you can just kind of make your own process here and you can make your own space in the community, whatever that looks like, big or small, historic or non-historic. It doesn't matter. You can make your own space and I think I walk away from this conversation thinking, gosh, like how encouraging is it to know that no matter whether you know zero people as you did, or you know 5,000 people, that you get to make your own space. For part two, can I tell you what I want, what I want to talk about, RNT? Sure. I want to talk about the 80s. Yeah. I want to talk about what it was like when all of a sudden there was a backlash against the the um, sexual revolution. I want to talk about what it was like in the village when during the Reagan days and during the days of, you know, the satanic panic and all the times when it, it was assumed that deviance meant, uh, bad. bad. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk about the nineties. I want to talk about the birth of the internet. I want to talk about DPF. I want to talk about some of those so for those who don't know, I, I know that um, Kent referenced DPF. This was a Diaper Pail Friends was one of the earliest big online communities for ABDLs. And as you referenced, Kent, it had its highs and lows. And in fact, that was one of those sites that I found that was both really helpful because it showed me there were other people out there and really damaging because of some of the content that was on there that suggested to me that my potential future was not something that I wanted to become. 
Oh dear. I, yeah. I want to talk about, I, I want to cover all of this. I just know that this <laughs> is called love in brief. And so I have to like stop it at an hour, but I don't want to. <laughs> so this is part one of two. I'm calling it right now. Maybe three or four. I don't know, but, but it's at least part one or two. And Kent, just my most sincere thank you. This well, thank is you for better than I ever imagined. And yes. I just feel so lucky to get to talk with I you. I feel like we stumbled into something wonderful. And I'm so grateful that you agreed to talk to us. This is amazing. And also, when are you writing your book? Yeah, when are you writing your book? <laughs> um, never. <laughs> ah, okay, we'll write it. I'll you just tell us what to say. You. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I would. I wish I were a writer. I'm not a good writer. I wish I were a good writer. RNT, you're a writer. I'm a okay, writer. you start dictating. RNT will figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, so I hate to part, but I'm going to say pause. We're going to schedule another night very soon with Kent. Yes. Because I have so much left to talk about. But yeah. RNT, do you want to sign us off today? No. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't. I don't do as well with the sign off as I do with the sign on. Well, maybe you could tell folks how to get in touch with us. Oh, okay. Um, wait. How do you want me to? How do I start it? Like start naming the ways to get in touch with us. For instance, if they wanted to contact us on FetLife, which has come up several times tonight. All right. Hey guys, if you want to get in contact with us in between the episodes, I'm not editing this, so just so you know, all of this is going to be in. No. Yep. Yeah, sorry. It's no, on the record. It isn't. Okay, uh-huh. I know more about our I know more about our podcast than that. <clears throat> hey guys, if you want to get in contact with us on Vet Life, it's all, uh, it's you all can gonna be in you there. can contact uh, RY. That's resonant. Yes, you can also contact me. But there's a very very Don't small chance that you're going to hear back. I am, she checks it like once a year. I am I am bad at that. Um, also, if you want to check us out on Instagram, it's resonant. Yes, if you want to give us. Um, a look-see on Tumblr, also resonant, yes. A look-see. A look-see. That is so charming. Okay. Thanks. Uh, if you want to send us an email, it's loveinbrief at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Um, also, you can check out our FetLife group, um, the Love and Brief podcast group. That's it right. should be easy to find if you search it. I wonder from our friend Kent, if somebody want to get in touch with you, do you have any good ways to do that? Um, sure. It's uh, Well, my handle on FetLife is... Uh, diapered Kent, all and pushed together. Um, and, and that's how and we got in touch and it worked great. Always, yeah. always reach me there. Yeah. Um, and, or, uh, and my address is no. <laughs> yeah, what my is home that address, PO box number again? My social security number. Um, <laughs> I named the PO box up long ago. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so also, uh, we did reference Bitter Gray. Um, and if you would like to see articles about Kent and also some of the history of ABDL, go to understanding.infantilism.org. We talked about that terminology as being sort of problematic, which I think it is because it's confusing, but um, because some people associate it with actual infants instead of the, the ABDL um, fantasies, etc. cetera. But um, understanding.infantilism.org, and there is some amazing work on there to understand not just our history, but also some scholarship around the fetish uh, itself uh, and the community. So enough about that. Part one of two, I am, my heart is still beating hard. I've had such a wonderful conversation and to get to talk to Kent is such a treasure. Um, This has been another episode of Love in Brief. (laughs) 